0: Hello and welcome to the Memory Chapel podcast. Memory Chapel is a small, rural, non-denominational Christian church located on Vanceville Road in 84 Pennsylvania. On this podcast, we feature an edited version of our Sunday morning worship service at the chapel and the Bible teaching of Pastor David All. Thanks for joining us. And now, let's get to the worship. Welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our call to worship this morning comes from the 34th Psalm, verses 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. This is the word of the Lord. Take your hymnals, open up to number 139, great is thy faithfulness. If you're able and willing, stand together with me as we sing number 139. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin, and a peace that endureth. Thy own presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning I see all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you. You may be seated. At the top of that page, I just wanted to read the scripture. The the inspiration for that hymn came from a scripture. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Jeremiah the prophet writes, The Lord's compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, it's easy to praise the Lord for his faithfulness when times are good, when the sun shines, when the pantry is full and all is right with the world. But Jeremiah lived in a time when everything around him was collapsing. Everything was being destroyed. He lived during a terrible time in the nation of Israel. And yet he was able, even in the midst of that, to see the faithfulness of God, that God's compassions for his people are new every day. Praise God for that. The next song we're going to turn to is stapled to the back of your bulletin. It's called Before the Throne of God Above. Now, I sprung this one on my mother late last night because I decided I really wanted to do this one, but it's not in our hymnal, and we couldn't find the sheet music for it either. So we're going to do this one a cappella. But it's a pretty simple tune. The only thing I want to draw your attention to is at the very end of the song, when we conclude it all, we're going to go back up four lines and repeat the, the, the line, one with himself, I cannot die. We're going to repeat those four lines at the end of the song. But a uh, very simple tune. Maybe you know it. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea A great high priest whose name is love, Whoever lives and pleads for me, My name is graven on his hands, My name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, No tongue can bid me thence depart, No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable i am the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself I I cannot die my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Savior and my God with Christ my Savior and my God others then at this time I invite you to bow your heads and hearts together with me as we seek the Lord in prayer God our Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest who ever lives and makes intercession for us, we come to you this morning in the boldness that we can only have as those who have been redeemed, those who have been washed and made clean in the blood of the Lamb, who have access into your very presence with boldness. How grateful we are that through Jesus Christ, a new and living way has been opened up for us, that we need not be separated from you, but may enter into your very presence by your grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We bring to you this morning these various requests, Father. You know the situations, you know the needs better than we. And what's more, you know how to answer the prayers and how to work in the lives of these individuals in better ways than we know. And and your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, Scripture has told us clearly that your ways and your thoughts are much higher than our ways, much higher than our thoughts. And you know what is right, and you know what is good. And we trust you. We place our confidence in you to do what is right and good. Because you are faithful you've been faithful to your people you've been faithful to your promises we praise you for it father as your father we pray for Karen's nephew Ed who has suffered severe injury and now faces uh, financial difficulty w- with his job we, we pray that you would supply what he needs and that you would bring about a quick recovery and a restoration Please have mercy upon him and, and show him the direction he needs to go in these matters. And Father, we remember our sister Terry, who is far from home, but she's not far from your presence. And we thank you that wherever she goes, you're with her as you are with all of us. We trust that you protect her on the job and on the road and bring her safely back to us. Father, we give praise for the, the year that has passed and the recovery that it has brought to jane with with her terrible fall and the injuries that resulted we thank you that you've brought healing and restoration to her body we thank you that our sister martha can be here with us today we thank you for the little bit of strength that has been restored we pray that you would even if it seemed good and fit to you that you'd restore more strength and more health and we pray for our sister betty who also is looking for answers to questions. She's looking for an improvement in her breathing. We pray that you would minister to her, that you would supply what is needed uh, in each of our lives. If, if it is not fit in your will to supply what is needed physically, then we pray, Father, that you would certainly always and every time supply what is needed spiritually so that our faith would not fail, so that we would stand fast and hold on to the promises that you've made to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we lift up this chapel. We pray that you would find us to be faithful, that we would faithfully minister to those that you put in our lives and in our paths, to our friends and families, to our neighbors, to this community. Father, we lift up this nation, the United States of America, and we pray for mercy. We pray that your grace would abound, that many would turn to you through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for peace. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for righteousness to prevail and to reign in the midst of this people. Dear Father, all of these things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our "Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, uh, Take your song sheets one more time. Turn to the back side of the page. We're going to sing the doxology. You may remain seated, but we have some extra verses to it. But you know the tune very well. (coughs) Christ who for our sin did atone liveth and reigneth on his throne O kingdoms of the earth bow down in holy reverence to his crown take thy right place within my heart Lord Christ, I yielded to Thy art. Thy Spirit's work of grace begun, Complete in me, O Holy One. Not by my righteousness, but Thine Am I made just, O grace divine. In simple childlike faith I cling. You gracious God did everything. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let all of his redeemed say so. Let it resound and fill this place to the great glory of thy grace. Amen. Before I invite you, if you're opening your scriptures, we're in Hebrews chapter 10, as you may have already surmised. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, we're going to continue through verse 25. Hebrews, 9, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And as you already picked up from listening in on the children's sermon, uh, today is a lettuce salad. We're going to be looking at some lettuces. But all of these lettuces, all of these things that we are exhorted by Scripture, that we are encouraged and, and told by Scripture to do, I want to make this very clear. Anything that we are told to do is a response To what God has already done. And we'll see that is the case very clearly here in this passage. Verse 19 begins with that very important word, therefore. Remember, when you see the word therefore in the scripture, you need to go back and see what it's there for. But I'm going to tell you what it's there for. Therefore, here's the idea that we've been talking about throughout these past several chapters of Hebrews, therefore, because Jesus Christ is our great high priest and has made a one-time sacrifice for our sins, a sacrifice that makes us not merely ceremonially clean, as in the old covenant sacrifices of sheep and goats and bulls, made those worshipers ceremonially clean so that they could come to the tabernacle. No, Christ's one-time sacrifice has made us actually really clean, as in a clean conscience before God. God having removed our sins from us as far as the East is from the West, remembering our sins no more. It's not a ceremonial thing. It's not a ritual thing. It's an actual real thing that all of those ceremonies of old only pointed to. Because we have a great high priest who's made a one-time sacrifice for sin that makes us not merely ceremonially clean, but actually really clean, a clean conscience before God so that we can enter into God's very presence with boldness, by Jesus's blood that's what is summed up in the word therefore all of that was wrapped up in that one little word and you didn't even realize that did you but it was there you just had to look closely therefore because this is the case brothers and sisters we have boldness to enter the holiest that is the holy of holies the In the tabernacle, it was that inner room divided from the rest of the tabernacle by that thick curtain where only the high priest could go with the blood of a proper sacrifice only one day of the year. Okay, that's the holy place, and it represented the very presence of God from which humanity had been separated by sin. But now, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of his blood, we have boldness to enter into that place. The very presence of God. This word boldness. I want to give you a picture in your mind. Imagine that you got an invitation from the governor. Now, I I don't know what your politics is. You may love or hate the governor. I don't know. But put all that aside. It doesn't matter. If you got an invitation from the governor of the state that said to be at his house at 7 p.m. on such and such a night. If you're anything like me, I think you would probably put on nice clothes. You would make sure to be there on time, be there early, ring the doorbell and you wait politely outside the door and Then the butler probably comes and opens the door and ushers you in and, and you wait there in the in the foyer you don 't just walk in and sit down on the couch and put your shoes up on the on the coffee table you, you, you wait and then the governor comes and he says, "Please come in and sit down and and you walk in and you sit there you know very proper you don't interrupt him when he's talking. And then all of a sudden you hear the front door slam and here's a flurry of activity. A young man walks in, throws his coat on the couch, hops on over the coffee table. He says, "Hey dad, can I he's talking to the governor. He says, "Hey dad, can I have the keys? I need to borrow the car tonight." And he just interrupted his father, but the dad says, "Oh, sure. There's no problem. Here. Make sure you're back by 11." And all this is going on all of a sudden, and as soon as he comes in, he's gone again. He just entered with boldness. Why could he do that? Because he was a son, right? That was his dad. He lives there. It's where he calls home. We can enter with boldness into the presence of God. I'm not suggesting that we can enter with impudence. I'm not suggesting that we can enter rudely or disrespectfully, but we can enter into God's presence with boldness because we live there. That's our father. That's our home. Do you get the picture here? With boldness. Verse 20 is a very neat picture, and I want to try to paint it for you. It says, we enter with boldness by the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus is what is in our minds right now, the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. The picture here is the veil of the temple, that curtain. Through the veil, that is his flesh. By a new and living way. The word new in this passage literally means a fresh kill. Those of you who are hunters or who have known and loved hunters, Uh, a hunter is trying to kill perhaps a deer, and he's just shot his his rifle, or he's just uh, let go of the arrow from the bow, and he's hit his target, and the deer is down, and he comes up on it, and it's a fresh kill. The body is still warm. It's a cold day, and so the You can still see the steam coming off of this animal. A fresh kill. That's what this word new means. What a strange thing. Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. A fresh kill. Here's the picture. Those Old Testament priests... When they offered a sacrifice of an animal to atone for the sins of the people, they'd pour out the blood. And then that blood would perhaps have to be taken into the tabernacle and on that day of atonement, that one special day of the year when the high priest could go in behind the curtain, he would take some of that blood with him and he would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant which was covered by the mercy seat. He would sprinkle that blood of the sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people. When he sacrificed that animal and poured its blood out, he couldn't say, oh, you know what? I didn't realize it's already time for my coffee break. Well, I'll get back to this in a little bit. I got to take my union priest coffee break and leave the tabernacle and go sit down for half an hour, drink his coffee, shoot the breeze with the other priests, and then say, well, it's about time. I better get back to the altar and finish what I started. He couldn't do that because by that time, the blood would have already begun to congeal. It would have been old, not a fresh kill anymore. No, when the priest began his work at the altar of sacrificing this animal and pouring out the blood, he had to work right now. Before the blood congealed, he had to take that blood, mix it with pure water, and sprinkle it inside the tabernacle. That was the ritual, but it had to happen now. The picture that the apostle is painting for us here is that Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice for our sins, that sacrifice is always fresh. In the sense that a a new kill is fresh, Jesus Christ. God's sacrifice for our sins, that sacrifice is always fresh. It's always new. As we sang earlier, the Lord's compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Christ's sacrifice for sins may have occurred historically 2,000 years ago, but it's just as fresh today as it was then two millennia ago. That sacrifice has not lost any of its power, any of its vitality, any of its vigor. It's as fresh today as if it had just happened. A new and living way. Uh, Probably if we were writing this scripture today, we would probably use the word evergreen. When we think of an evergreen, we think of something that it doesn't lose its leaves. It doesn't, it doesn't grow brown and brittle and, and dead. It's always fresh, always new. And that's the picture for us here. Jesus' sacrifice for our sins never loses any of its potency. It's always fresh. It's always new. It doesn't have to be offered over and over again. It loses none of its vitality. A new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. The picture is just as Jesus' body was broken for our sins, that veil in the temple was torn and done away with. Now we have access into the very presence of God, something that we never had before Jesus. Jesus. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God. We have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the righteous, holy one of God, who ever lives to make intercession for us. His blood, the blood of his sacrifice, always pleads for us. You know, our first oldest grandparents, Adam and Eve, they they had two sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel. And and after the deed was done, the Lord spoke to Cain and said, Where is your brother Abel? And Cain said, "Uh, How should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, The blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. We're going to see in the next chapter of Hebrews when we get there, that that blood of Abel is spoken of again. What did Abel's blood cry out for? It cried out for justice, vindication. I was murdered. I was slain wrongfully. It cried out for justice. But the writer of Hebrews tells us in the next chapter that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood cried out for justice. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out that justice has been served. The righteous one stood in our place, bore our sins, and bore the wrath of God, which our sins justly deserved. He stood in our place, and now his blood, which is always fresh, evergreen, always new. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks that God's justice has been satisfied and we have been cleaned. We have been redeemed and made right with God so that we can enter into his presence. And now we get to the lettuce salad in verse 22. Let us... Let us what? Because all of this is true, because of what God has done, because we have a great high priest who ever lives to draw us near. That's what a priest does, right? A priest draws people near to God. Because all of this is true, verse 22, let us draw near. Let us draw near. What's keeping you? What's holding you from drawing near to the Father? He moved heaven and earth to make the way. The veil has been removed. The sacrifice is always fresh and always new and always sufficient to atone and bring you into God's presence, not with fear and trembling, but with boldness as a son, as a daughter entering their father's house. Let us draw near. Don't neglect it, brother and sister. Don't neglect to draw near to God. There's nothing that holds you back. James chapter 4 verse 8 tells us that if we draw near to God, he will... Draw near to us. Remember the story of the prodigal son who took his father's wealth, squandered it on riotous living in a far-off country, and then once it was all spent and he had nothing left and no friends, found himself working for a pig farmer, slopping the pigs with husks. And he thought to himself in his great hunger, I wish I could eat what those pigs are eating. And he came to himself and he said, My sir, the servants of my father back home, have plenty to eat, and they're well provided for. Though I don't deserve it, I will return to my father's house, I will beg for mercy, and I will ask to be one of his servants, because at least then I will have food to eat and a place to sleep. And as Jesus told the story, as the prodigal son returned, drawing nearer to the father's house, but still, a long ways off, the father saw him. Why did the father see him? Because he was looking for him and ran out to meet him and fell on him and hugged him, embraced him and welcomed him home, not as a servant, but as a son. He restored him as a son. As the son drew near to his father's house, the father drew near to him. You think about how we might be tempted to deal with a child who has rebelled and treated us shamefully and scornfully. There might be that, that uh, impulse within our heart to welcome them home, but nonetheless hold it over them that, hey, remember how you screwed up? Do you remember? But God the Father isn't like that. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sins from us and remembered them no. More, draw near to God and he will draw near to you let us draw near how will we draw near with a true heart with a true heart Uh, the, the word speaks of sincerity when Jesus in John chapter 4 met with the woman at the well that woman who had lived an immoral and ungodly life Jesus spoke with her of spiritual things She said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She says, so maybe you can answer this religious theological question for me. Um, Your people, the Jews, say that people should worship in Jerusalem at the temple. But our elders here among the Samaritans say that we should worship on Mount Gerizim. So maybe you could settle this, this theological dispute for me. And Jesus says, woman, I tell you the truth. The day is coming When those who worship God will not worship Him in Jerusalem or here on this mountain, but will worship Him in spirit and in truth. These are the type of worshipers that the Father is seeking. Those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship God with a true heart? In spirit and in truth. It means that you take what He has said and you believe it. And you hold to it. And you don't add to it. And you don't take away from it. You hold on to the promises that he has made. And you don't set up hurdles for yourself or for others. And you don't doubt it. And you don't disbelieve it. You take what God has spoken through his son Jesus Christ and through Jesus' apostles. And you believe that word. That word of faith. That if You place your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins will be canceled. You will be pardoned. You will be a son, a daughter in the household of God. And it doesn't matter what church it is. It doesn't matter what denomination it is. It doesn't matter which country. It doesn't matter which particular hymns you sing. If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you believe the good news, the gospel, that God forgives sins, not on the basis of your good works, but on the basis of Christ's perfect obedience and his sacrifice for your sin. If you believe that good word, that good news, you will be saved. That's what it means to worship God. In spirit and in truth, with a true, sincere heart, in full assurance of faith. This phrase means unwavering confidence, unshakable confidence, in full assurance of faith, unshakable confidence that the one who has promised will keep his promise, that the one who has shown himself time and time again to be faithful, will live up to that faithfulness and keep his word and pardon your sins and bring you into his household where you can enter with boldness as a son and a daughter. Unshakable confidence. Let us draw near. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. these these two things that are mentioned, uh, the sprinkling and the clean water, uh, again, this is pointing back to the old covenant when the priest would sprinkle the blood mixed with pure water. He'd sprinkle that on the mercy seat that covered the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, the, the very presence of God. Um, the the pure water, the clean water, that they had ritual washings that they would perform. Not that any of these things could take away sins but they were pictures for the people of what God would do and I think that's that's what is in view here in this phrase that through Christ's sacrifice we have been spiritually speaking we have been sprinkled with that sacrificial blood that makes peace between us and God not just ceremonially clean but really actually clean spiritually clean a clean conscience pure water it speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit who is working in the life of the believer to make you clean and presentable for God to sanctify you to make you holy to make you special make you clean for God It's a spiritual thing that happens when we place our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. The the old covenant with its, its sprinklings and washings, those were just pictures of what God has done spiritually for you through Jesus Christ. Verse 23, the second lettuce leaf in our salad. Let us hold fast. Hold on tightly and don't let go. Hold fast. Hold fast to what? Hold fast to confession of our hope. Another way to put that is hold fast to our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Have you professed faith in Jesus Christ? Good. Hold on to that. Hold fast from it. Don't waver. Don't depart from it. Really, that has been one of the central themes in this letter to the Hebrews that we've been studying together. One of the central themes, aside from Jesus Christ being our great high priest, hold fast Don't fall away. Don't give up. Don't let go. Hold fast to your faith. These Jewish Christians at this time were in a very difficult situation. They were being persecuted. They were were enduring hardships on every side. And perhaps some of them were thinking how easy it would be to just let go of this. Life with Jesus is so hard let's just go back to the temple. Let's go back to the priest. Let's go back to the animal sacrifices because then life will be easy again. Then we can go to the marketplace and we can buy food without being stared at or without being rejected. Then we can live our lives in peace and harmony with our neighbors. It would be so much easier just to let go of Jesus and go back to how it was. That was the temptation that these people were facing. And the apostle encourages them, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't go back. Let us draw near to God. We can enter his presence. The old temple with its sacrificial animals couldn't get you to the presence of God. Jesus can. Let's draw near. And let's hold fast. Hold fast to our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we may not face the same sort of temptations and the same trials that they were facing, but there are times when we face those trials and temptations to drift to let go when it's hard to believe when our faith seems to fail us when our prayers seemingly go unanswered and we'll be tempted to fall away don't fall away let us hold fast why should we hold fast hold fast our the confession of our hope without wavering why Because he who promised is faithful. Let us be faithful, in other words. Let us be faithful. Why? Because he is faithful. He is not giving up on us. He is not abandoning us. He will let us go through difficulties, but he will not let us go through them alone. And he will not give us more than we're able to bear. And he will. Carry us through. He is faithful. Hold on to your profession of faith in him. Verse 24 brings us to our final let us leaf in this salad. Let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. How much better things would be for all of us and all of those around us if we practiced that. Simple rule. If we considered one another, how many marriages would be happier? How many relationships with parents and children would be more joyful and more peaceful? If we considered one another... Philippians chapter 2, let not every man think on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind being you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not think his deity something to be grasped or clung to, but he emptied himself. And he was made in the fashion of men. He humbled himself to the point of death, even The humiliation of death on a cross. And God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, the the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ considered others. He could have clung to his divine prerogative. He didn't have to do what he did. But he considered ourselves above himself. Let us also consider one another. How how are we to do this? For what purpose? For what end? Well, in order to stir up love and good works. That word stir up, it means to agitate, to provoke. It should be my goal in the church to stir you up. Not provoke you and make you angry at me, but to stir you up and agitate you to love the Lord and to love each other. And to do good works out of loving service to the Lord. In my marriage, it should be my goal to agitate and stir up far too often I agitate the wrong way. I provoke to frustration the one that I claim to love. But I should provoke love by my actions, by my words. I should provoke good works by the way that I live my life. And so it should be with all of us. We should be stirring up in each other love and good works. One of the key ways that this happens for us is found in verse 23. The apostle says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more. As you see the day approaching, there's a lot packed in this verse. The apostle wants them to understand that they should not neglect to assemble together as the body of Christ, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, to sing praises to his name, to study the scriptures, to encourage one another. I think in a lot of those early church services in those days, a big part of the worship was a variety of people speaking to one another. That it wasn't just one man standing up front and speaking for half an hour. But rather, it was the community of believers speaking to each other. The word here is to exhort That word to exhort, it means, oh, it means a lot of things. It's a neat word. It means to invite over, to call along your side, to stand by your side, to comfort, to encourage, to challenge, to exhort. That's what we are to be doing for each other. We're to be inviting each other alongside of each other in our lives, in our shared life together. And we are to encourage, to challenge. To build up, I think it might be the thing that we do the worst job of. And I'm not speaking about memory chapel. I'm speaking about the church writ at large. How poorly we encourage and build up each other. Instead, what we are pretty good at is tearing each other apart and tearing each other down. Again, I'm not speaking of us here at the chapel. I'm speaking of the church at large. If you look back through the history, we have not carried out Christ's command to love one another. And in so doing, the world will know that we are his disciples. Have we practiced it? I fear we haven't many times. Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. He says, as is the manner of some. Apparently, in that day, there were already some Jewish Christians who were not making it to church. There might've been a variety of reasons. Uh, There might've been persecution. There might've been fear. Uh, There there might've been consequences, repercussions for going to worship. And so it was just easier to be an undercover Christian, secret agent Christian. How often do we play that game? Oh, we might go to church on Sunday, but how often do we play that secret agent Christian game? As someone once said, if you were ever sent to court and stood trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you, right? Some of these people were already falling away and not attending corporate worship as the body of Christ. And the apostle says, don't neglect that. It is the important part of how we hold fast, how we consider one another, how we draw near. It's a big part of who and what we are as the body of Christ. We can't do this Lone Ranger style. We belong to each other because we all belong to him. We must serve one another, consider one another. He says here, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Boy, that's a sermon in itself, and I don't want to unpack all of that, but you may notice in your Bible that that word day, it may in fact be capitalized, depending on what translation you're using. That's because we are talking about that great and terrible day of the Lord. The apostle says even in their day, they saw that day approaching, that great and fearful, terrible day of the Lord. Roughly 30 years earlier, when the Apostle Peter spoke and preached to the multitudes on the day of the Feast of Pentecost, he said that that great and terrible day of the Lord was drawing near. It was spoken of by Joel the prophet, and he says, it's near. It's time to save yourselves from this crooked generation that is about to be judged in fulfillment of what Jesus had spoken. Concerning the fearful judgment that would fall upon Jerusalem. So here these Jewish Christians are suffering hardship, suffering persecution. They're tempted to walk away from Christ. The apostle says, don't do it. Hold fast. Consider each other. Don't neglect worship. The day is approaching. It's closer than you can imagine. He says, it's almost here that great and fearful day of the Lord. Don't go back to the old covenant. It's about to be destroyed. It's about to vanish. It's about to blow away on the wind. The only thing that will be left, the only thing that will, be re- that will remain is the unshakable eternal covenant of God's promises to us through Jesus Christ. Don't let go of that. Hold on to it. Now that great and terrible day of the Lord may have happened, but I want to remind you that every single one of us is merely a heartbeat away from standing before the judge of all flesh. Are we not? Is that not the case? You know, a lot of times we as Christians, we focus on certain end times or last days things and and we are busy looking for an antichrist and we're, we're busy looking for a one world order and this, that, and the other thing. The fact is it's a distraction, my people. Your great day before the Lord is when you take your last breath. And none of us know when that's going to be. And we're going to stand before the God of all flesh. And We're going to plead the blood of Christ, which is evergreen. It's always fresh. That sacrifice is always effective. Hold fast. Draw near. Consider one another while we walk together in this life. Because very soon, and none of us know when, we'll be in his presence. And we want to hear those words come from his lips. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Our Father, how thankful we are that after looking at this list of lettuces, we can now come to this final lettuce today, Let us pray. We can enter into your presence by a new and living way that is ever fresh, ever green, ever effective to draw us near. May we not neglect, Father, to draw near with an unwavering confidence because you are faithful. You, the one who has promised, are faithful and you will do it. You will perform it. Let us draw near, Father. We are so thankful that you have made that way Through that sacrifice of your Son, which is always new. Your faithfulness, your compassion is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Father, let us hold fast. When our faith is weak, when it falters, please supply what we need that we might hold fast to the one who is faithful, that we might be faithful to him. Let us, Father, consider one another, to stir up and provoke love, to stir up and provoke good works, to consider each other above ourselves, even as your Son has set the example by not clinging or grasping to his divine prerogative, but instead humbling himself, dying in our in our place, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might draw near to you. We give you praise, we give you thanks, as the redeemed of God in the household of faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for having tuned in with us today. We hope you found the time in worship and the word to be encouraging, challenging, and strengthening. If so, we'd love to hear from you. We realize there are so many ways you could spend your time We're glad you chose to spend it with us in worship and the Word. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all today, this week, and forever.